When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. All right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We're always saying that's a roller coaster following Liverpool. Well, we're right on the downslope, aren't we? Have we hit rock bottom? I don't know. Well, let's talk about the trip to Bournemouth, where the cherries left a sour taste in everyone's mouth. And we'll also talk about the upcoming trip to the Bernabeu to face Real Madrid. Can they actually come back? Here to talk about it are James Pearce and Andy Jones. So let's start today with those three words. James? I think I'd have to go for more fried chicken. <laughs> and, and didn't you have a nightmare journey back? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've definitely had better Saturdays than the, the one just gone. Um, yeah, walked back through the front door about quarter past midnight. So, yeah, there was a, a car. Someone, someone clearly had an even worse day because someone's car was on fire on the M62, which meant that no one went anywhere for, for a, a couple of hours. But... Uh, yeah, finally made it back, having um, stopped off at Chilwell Valley Services to rattle out 900 words on on another thoroughly miserable away trip following Liverpool this season. And uh, probably the most galling of the lot, just because of the context, you know, when you, when you think that what we'd been treated to six days earlier, you know, how on earth you go from, from there to that just absolutely baffles me. And there's a lesson, kiddies. You go from three words to 300 concise words that capture the mood in one second. James is right on the money. Andy, your three words. That was predictable. Because I I, I couldn't get that Palace 7-0 from a couple of years ago out of my head all week. Just thinking, I remember what happened after that last time. And please don't let that happen again. And then we all saw what unfolded. And uh, in the end, it did feel somewhat predictable in a, in a horrible way. Funnily enough, Dean Nuttall from our Walk On Podcast Facebook group agreed. Far too predictable, he said. Phil Kane said, it's a curse to wake it. I'm not really blaming the kit here. You know, I've got to say, I'm not, I'm not into that. Rob Dwan says, back to reality, which is a sobering thought. And Dominic Wade says, another false dawn. Search Walk On Podcast on Facebook and get involved and send us your three words. James, how bad was it? In your match piece, you said, from the sublime to the ridiculous. I mean, yeah, yeah. But it was, wasn't it? I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. It was, it, it was just, it was almost, I was sat there during that second half, at a very cold vitality stadium. And you were thinking, did last Sunday really happen? Roberto Firmino. Was this honestly the, the same group of players? And and sometimes there are mitigating factors, aren't there? Like 
you know, if there'd suddenly been two or three injuries in the week or, you know, if, there, if there'd been a midweek game and, you know, a real energy sapping contest that had taken it out of them and, you know, having to turn to players who didn't have rhythm or hadn't played recently. But none of those things applied. That was, that was what for me was like so galling. And, and also Liverpool didn't look like a team in that second half, especially who would chase, who really want to play Champions League football next season. And that was, it was just painful watching on really, you know, so much wrong with that performance. And I don't, I don't even know if it was complacency. I don't, because I actually thought Liverpool started the game pretty well. I think if you, it's one of those ones that of course gets completely overlooked in, in the kind of final analysis, but first 15, 20, I was sat there thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. This probably only a matter of time. It was, it was just starting, I thought to get going and some real promising signs getting in behind Bournemouth. And then it's like it's like they're so brittle and so frail that once things you know once Bournemouth went one nil up, it was just the whole feeling seemed to change. And and yes, Liverpool still had chances. I mean, look, you know, clearly Salah sticks that penalty away. You know, maybe maybe we'd have seen a grandstand finish. How Van Dijk misses that free header from four or five yards out. Still can't quite believe that one. But yeah, so much wrong. Such a insipid, lacklustre lifeless performance which yeah you, you just think how can you produce that having hit such heights against United six days before yeah and for me one of the worst things is Trent saying afterwards they probably wanted it more than us they probably wanted it more than us in the age of analytics in the age of sports science they wanted it more than us I mean is this a throwback to the 80s the 70s Andy, can you believe he said that? And can you believe that we're taking it seriously? Well, I mean, I can I can somewhat believe it because that's what it certainly looked like, didn't it? James right, as soon as Bournemouth went ahead, Liverpool this season have been unable to deal with sort of any type of setback, really, to be quite frank, whenever they've... And this is, you know, harps back to that conceding the first goal in the game and not being able to, to properly respond to it. But when you've got a player coming out and, and you can almost say fair play to the honesty, but then equally be fuming by the comment because given Liverpool's season and given what they'd just done in the last, you know, in the last five games to, to drag themselves back into a Champions League race, which in not it wasn't long ago we were sort of writing it off to have, have, have dragged themselves back in beyond such a high in, you know, result for, for the ages and then to go out and put a performance on like that. But it's not the first time we've seen that. This wasn't like a freak. This is, you know, scarily becoming a bit of the norm away from home. And and, and that's that's the big concern, isn't it? I think Klopp said in the build-up, it, it was all about attitude and it was always going to be about attitude. And, you know, Liverpool just evidently turned up with the wrong one. And, well, you, you say that, I mean, it, as James said, that the first 15-20 was good, but as soon as you, you get that, that setback, they didn't didn't respond, and then it's been a a bad week or bad weekend all around, hasn't it? Really? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> with, I mean, with, with other results, New, New, Newcastle and Tottenham gave us an open goal, didn't they? And we've missed it a bit, like the Salah penalty. But two things: the away form, you know, you've mentioned, but the the twelve uh, thirty afternoon kickoffs this season drew two two at Fulham, nil nil at Everton, lost one nil at Forest. Drew nil nil with Chelsea at home and got beat by Bournemouth. Between that and the away form, where's the problem? Is it? Is it? I mean, I don't like getting up in the morning either. I don't like early starts. <laughs> I mean, they're really flat. But that and the away form, James. Come on, explain it to us. Explain it to us. We need it explaining. 
Um, that did jump out at me, that, that stat about the 12.30 kickoffs. I think Liverpool haven't even scored, have they, in their last four lunchtime kickoffs um, on, a, on a Saturday. And I think first time since 2010-11 that they haven't won away at any of the three promoted teams. I think you'd have to admit that it's it's the kind of slot that no one wants. I think managers don't don't enjoy it. Players certainly don't enjoy it. I don't think fans particularly enjoy it either. Oh, it's the worst. It, it's not the time when you should be watching football, is it? No, no, no. It doesn't. I don't think it, you know. Even you know, I remember doing an interview with, I think it was Trent actually a couple of years back, and he was kind of saying, you know, it's just a bit weird because you're almost having to like force yourself to eat chicken and pasta at nine o'clock in the morning. Because you're obviously having to, you know, everything having to tally with the, the times that you'd normally do it before, before a game. But no, that, that that doesn't properly excuse what we've seen in those games, and and it's not even just it, it's not even just the twelve thirty slots, is it? It's been it's been a persistent issue on their travels from the word go, right from that you know error strewn display at Craven Cottage back in August when you know Liverpool were quite fortunate in the end to to walk away f- with a point and you kind of thought, well, you know, that's, that's just kind of a bit slow out the blocks, but it's, it, it's almost set the tone for what we've seen away from home time and time again. And when I was looking at the, the numbers after the game on Saturday, you know, I, I didn't realise they were quite so striking in terms of 30 points out of 39 at Anfield puts Liverpool third in the league. If you just base it on home results, you know, 12 points out of 39 away, they're in the bottom half of the table. If you base it just on, away games and you know I think it's only 13 goals scored across those 13 away games I mean to, to only win three out of 13 we I mean, were talking about a team that's been produced breathtaking levels of consistency for a number of years and you know as Klopp said himself he was asked about the away form and he and he said concerned yeah I see it I see it so I think with the home games we are, we are top four if I'm right uh, with the away games uh, we are not even in Europe so yeah there are, there's always a reason for the situation you are in, and our away record is for sure. We could have had more points at home as well, but um, or maybe should have. But um, yeah, away definitely, definitely. So uh, there was a big strength of us in the last years. We never made a real difference between. But that's how it is when you are successful, when things, when you do the things consistently in the right way. You have a good with the quality we have. We have a good chance to to win away or get away results as well. Um, this is not often enough. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, it's a it's it's a clear point to be honest. I think it does feed into just that vulnerability that's that's crept in. Because I, I don't think it does. I don't think it does come down to. I, I don't think this group of players have. I don't think they've lost their hunger. I don't think. I don't think they don't. I know Trent said that, but I'm not. You know, I, I think sometimes maybe that's just a throwaway line after a game, and you know, I, I don't think they. Definitely. I, I don't think it's you know a lack of effort. I just saw a team that, that, like I said before, like I think brittle is probably the word. It's like where before they were so resilient, but even watching that second half, I thought you know I, I still thought they'll click into gear here. They'd have a good ten fifteen, mm, and they yeah. score twice, and 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 you know it will be one of those scrappy, unconvincing wins. Yeah, I'm watching thinking until about the 70th minute. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be, it's yeah. not going to be all right. It's not going to be all right. It's not going to be all right. <laughs> it must have been. It must have been. I think it got to about 86, 87 when, that, that then, then when I, I I decided it wasn't going to be okay. Up, up to then, I still thought, no, 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 don't be silly. Liverpool can't, you know, this is this is a team that put seven past Manchester United last weekend. This is 
They're against a team they put nine past back in August. You know, Bournemouth had started the day rock bottom. And, and you saw as well in that opening 15, 20 minutes, you know, you, you could get at Bournemouth. It was, hmm. yeah. And it, and I think it wasn't even a day when you could point at one particular area because I actually thought, I just thought they completely lost their way all over the place, epitomised by, by the goal. We seem to be in this cycle at the moment where you kind of, you get that encouragement and then you absolutely get a slug in the guts soon after. And it's like, you know, such and such is back much more like his usual self. And then bang, you know, real regression. And it wasn't even one player or one department of the team. And it was all over the place. It was, you know, defensively hesitant, vulnerable, lack of communication at times, you know, midfield, zero control, none of the energy and, you know, kind of dynamism we'd seen against United. No creativity either. I don't think, and I looked at the Optostats, not a single Liverpool midfielder made a, a key pass and created a chance. And and then the front three, you know, all the talk last week about, you know, Liverpool's new look front three having arrived. And you know, it was, it was, it was like, it was like United had never happened. You know, Nunes on the periphery, getting caught offside, not timing his runs properly. Salah, where was, where was Mo Salah in terms of, you know, the man who was, took the acclaim of Anfield and you expected him to be absolutely flying on the back of setting that new Premier League goal scoring record. And yeah, there, there were very few players that came out of that with, with any credit whatsoever. I thought, I thought Gagpo kept at it. I thought he drove Liverpool forward. I thought Jota made a decent enough impact off the bench, but yeah, it was pretty, a pretty meager offering all in. And you know what? Guess what? With this away form, Man City and Chelsea up next. Andy, Andy, what are we going to do? <laughs> um, what you would say is that Liverpool have, have been able to get themselves, when well, I know generally it's been a home, but they have been able to get themselves up for the quote-unquote bigger games, bigger teams. And that's the challenge for them now. I mean, we, we, talk, we talked didn't we, earlier in the week about why Bournemouth was so important was because of the, the fixtures that they had coming up after the international break. And now there is so much pressure on Manchester City away and Chelsea away when, you know, if you beat Bournemouth, you a point might not have been a bad result, if you like. But the other thing is you, you look at every Liverpool away game now and sort of quake with fear, no matter who it's against. And and you look at them and, and I think it's um, the, the rest of them, the other four are all teams fighting relegation. You've got West Ham, I think Southampton, Leicester away, all teams who are scrapping and fighting very much like Bournemouth. So it, it is. It, why you think of those, you know, City well, and Chelsea? That. That thanks they for that. Thanks for me. Thanks for making me feel better. <laughs> I was going to say that. I mean, this season has been so ridiculous. I don't even think you know. Lo- logic says to you, well, you know, Liverpool have absolutely shot themselves in the foot in terms of the top four. How on earth? How on earth can they possibly be expected to to clamber back into that top four, having having lost to such a limited Bournemouth team? When you look at the games they got coming up, but. That, you know, it's yeah. actually those type of games that Liverpool have struggled to lift themselves for in delivering this season. You know, they were talking about a team that have four. Actually, Newcastle have just gone above Liverpool, haven't they? So they've beaten four of the five teams above them. This is a team that that have lost to you know Leeds at home, to Forest, to Bournemouth, to Brentford, to Brighton twice, to Wolves. You just don't know what you're getting with this Liverpool team. I don't think you, it's not as easy as saying, well, you know, it wouldn't. It just wouldn't surprise me if they went and turned over City. I mean, let's face it, Palace nearly got a result from City. You know, Forrest took a point off City. It took points off City. So, you know, it's one of them. And anyway, 
one thing I do want to say, we beat Bournemouth 9-0 at home. So that's 9-1 on aggregate. Let that be a warning <laughs> to you, Real Madrid. Let that be a warning to you, Real Madrid. You'll listen to Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. Hello there, I'm Ali Maxwell. I'm the host of the Athletic Football Tactics podcast with Michael Cox, Liam Tharm and Mark Kerry. Each week, we try and better understand and explain, where possible, the game that we love. And we look at things through a a tactical and analytical lens. We love a deep dive, we love to myth bust, and just generally try and tackle football discussion in a depth and in a way that I don't think you find on many other pods. In recent weeks, we have released a two-part series looking at the state of football management. We've also looked at understanding Red Bull football and how well it travels outside of the Red Bull empire. Join us over on the Athletic Football Tactics podcast feed. Just search for the name of the pod wherever you listen to yours. Tony Evans here with James Pearce and Andy Jones with Walk On from The Athletic. Okay, we've just warned Real Madrid. We've laid down a marker. Yes, Bournemouth might have beaten us, but we're going to go to the Bernabeu and we're going to James. What are we going to do? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, who knows what to expect? I don't... It's... Yeah, in, in, in a season like this where Liverpool just keep on making mugs of us all, what, what, you, I don't think anyone can, with any confidence... Can can make any kind of predictions in terms like obviously common sense tells you that the tie is effectively over that you know how on earth can can Liverpool overturn a five two deficit especially going away I think you know of course Liverpool is the stuff of Anfield folklore isn't it the 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 heroic European fight backs but you know this would be on a whole other level I think you know to to do it in Real Madrid's own backyard. But in a season like this, where they just lurch from one extreme to the other, and that they've shown they are still capable of hitting real heights when it when it clicks, it just hasn't clicked often enough. It could be anything. You know, if they, if they play anything like they did at, on the south coast on Saturday, they'll get embarrassed. That's that's absolutely nailed on. But I don't think they will. I think there will be a reaction, and I can I can honestly see Liverpool scoring three. That you know, obviously, the minimum they need to score. There, I think the the big worry is will they be able to keep them out at the other end? And um, you know, as Klopp said himself, you know, after the first leg, it just felt absolutely over. But come Wednesday, there will just be that little glimmer of hope, and it's just scoring that first goal, isn't it? That yeah. that that is that is the absolute key thing because um, to have any hope, Liverpool have to get that first goal. Well, I, I mean, the one thing I will say, and as someone who's been watching Liverpool for what oh more than five decades. We've seen enough miracles over the years to not completely discount it. Right. Only four times in Champions League history has a three-goal lead been overturned in the second leg. Deportivo versus AC Milan 2004. Barcelona over PSG in 2017. And that was a four-goal turnaround. Roma over Barcelona in 2018. A lot of Barcelona in here. And... Of course, Liverpool over Barcelona in 2019. Now, we can console ourselves that, you know, three of the four turnovers involved a team from La Liga. Um, But, you know, Liverpool have only won once in the Bernabeu. 
one nil back in two thousand nine, Ben Ihoon, and I was there that night. That was the night, funnily enough, when the mad rumours went round early on the day that Rafa Benitez had been sacked, and there was um, so much tumult around the club at the time. It was untrue, but you know, it's these things can happen, Andy, and like. How optimistic can we get us? How, how can we work ourselves up into a state of frenzy so we'll be absolutely disappointed on Thursday morning? Um, I think expect Liverpool to play for 90 minutes like they did in the first 20 in the first leg. And then they've got a chance because they did for 20 minutes blow Real Madrid away, didn't they? Um, and, and Real Madrid didn't really know what had hit them until they uh, found the feet and then hit Liverpool with few more knockout punches, shall we say, than Liverpool had got in initially. That's the thing, isn't it? I mean, they're going there with a better team than they did under Rodgers um, when they sort of rested all the, the best players. Gerard was on the bench, wasn't he, I think? And uh, that was just quite a quite a sad evening to, to sit there and watch. So they, you would, they're going there with a better side. But yeah, it, it does come back to, to, what, to what James said. I think the optimism is that this Liverpool side could do absolutely anything. We could be as miserable as we've ever been this season on on Thursday because we've turned up and thrown in an absolute terrible performance. Equally, they could easily... I mean, you, you look at even last year when, when Madrid went on that mad run to to eventually win it, obviously. I mean, Chelsea went, went there and, and were three up and eventually went, I think it went to extra time. So it can be done. It's just whether this Liverpool side and are, are, are capable of doing it. And I think the big thing is whether... Liverpool can keep rounded out because that's the problem. You've got to you've got to commit men forward. You've got to go and push for the goals, and the problem is that will leave you more exposed. And we saw what Real Madrid can do to a, a team who leaves themselves exposed in the first leg. And, and Liverpool, you know, in in the way that they just continue to try and press forward, left themselves a little bit open, and, and we're a bit naive. It's how you can you can stop it at one end and and score at the other, and that's what Liverpool did against Barcelona a few years ago, but. It's different kettle of fish, isn't it? When it's when it's at your home ground and you've got the crowd behind you. This is away. This is this is Real Madrid, the, the Bernabeu, which has got all that magic Champions League dust anyway. Where Real Madrid always, as they showed last season, no matter what, will win, <laughs> no matter how ridiculous the situation. So Liverpool have just got to try and come out the traps as quickly as possible, and it is. It's, it's that first goal is key. I think the Bernabeu is really interesting because when you go to the new camp. I haven't been to both of these grounds. The new camp's like a a concrete, horrible bowl. There's you know, it's sparse. It's like, you know, there's nothing really enticing about it apart from actually being one of the great venues. But like the Bernabeu is like Dr. Evil's pad, isn't it? You know, it's plush. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's a it's Real Madrid saying, you know, we know what we are. They don't care, you know, we're Real Madrid. You know, come here, we live in luxury, we're like kings of the world. And you go there, and it is imposing in many ways. But on the other hand, the form recently hasn't been that imposing. They lost to Barcelona last week in the Copa del Rey. But the big thing is, what's going to come down to, James, is the matchups, isn't it? And, you know, Trent, they wanted more than us, Alexander Arnold, against Vinicius Jr., they're gonna target him, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've we've seen that in you know, we certainly saw it in Paris in the final and we saw it in the first leg at Anfield a few weeks back. So yeah, that that is gonna be a pivotal matchup, isn't it, in terms of can Liverpool keep Real Madrid out and, and keep the tie alive because Vinicius Junior is you know up there with 
you know the best players in Europe this season. You look at when you look at his um, his return. So um, he's an absolute menace, and um, yeah, it's going to be intriguing to see how Klopp plays it because I think it's one of those ones where, of course, Liverpool have to take risks. You know, they, they I don't think we'll see them going completely gung ho because I think. In, in Klopp's head, he'll he'll be wanting just to stay in the tie, certainly first half, and then probably then you know you then you try and impact the game with your changes and maybe take more risks second half because um, you know even even when you go back to that iconic night against Barcelona, you know, but because of, because of the mountain Liverpool had to climb, they. Barcelona still had some unbelievable chances, especially in that in that first half. They should have put the game away. They should have put the game yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, and, and and you know that's why you know is yes, tactically he's going to have to get it spot on in terms of the protection because you know we saw in the first leg again what Real Madrid can do to you on the on the counter attack. But you, yeah, you also need some good fortune, and and you know you and you can't make the kind of ridiculous errors that Liverpool did in that in that first leg. You know, I think I think it, it wasn't a five-two game that first leg. You know, Real Madrid had six shots, scored five goals in the same way as you know, re- really the, the seven-nil against United wasn't as ridiculous as a scoreline suggests. Liverpool were just unbelievably clinical on the on the day. So um, yeah, that's that, that's you know, I'm 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 actually I'm looking forward to it because I think also it, it's the kind of night where no one really expects Liverpool to pull it off. There's no massive pressure on them going there because you know most people just completely wrote the tie off after after the game at Anfield and I do think as 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 much as Real Madrid you know Klopp said it before the first leg didn't he He said he said you know the issue with this team is that they don't panic and I think we saw that that was the that was you know graphically underlined by what they were like at 2-0 down the fact that they kept their heads and didn't lose the plot, but I still think that opening twenty minutes will give them a bit of food for thought because you know it, it wasn't it wasn't like a, a kind of Real Madrid sweeping Liverpool aside and then backing off and letting them have one or two consolations. It was you know for twenty minutes Liverpool Liverpool did have their you know their you know their their foot to the floor and causing them problems, but they couldn't sustain it. It's it's just a question of can Liverpool turn that twenty minutes into into probably 80 or 90 that's going to be required to to pull off a miracle. And how do they do the miracle, Andy? Who do you play there? I mean, do you play Henderson in midfield? I think so. I think that, while Klopp probably wouldn't have missed it, I think that's probably why he didn't start against Bournemouth, where there was probably a, a bit of thinking behind that, maybe. And he might have thought, given how Bastic and, and, and Elliot have, have, have been going on, that he might be able to to get away with, with, with Henderson not playing. But... Um, equally, you know, he, he should have played them um, because the league is is more important. But you would imagine he'd come back in. I think you need that that type of experience, really, don't you? Regardless, just because I mean, we know how well Henderson, while he's you know he's not necessarily done it consistently this season, has been able to to be an important defensive ally to to Trent when he bombs on because that's. Liverpool still need Trent Alexander-Arnold, even though he's come up against Vinicius, to be Trent Alexander-Arnold and or to try and be Trent Alexander-Arnold and get him into the the right positions for him to create. And and therefore, I think Henderson is a is a must to have on that side to to be able to try and again. I thought of Bournemouth. One of the flaws in playing two youngsters in the midfield is that you don't get the same level of support for the fullbacks. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why I think you can get away with it. Especially with Elliot, and you know, we we know that Elliot isn't necessarily as defensively, 
you know, up to, you know, Sanders, Henderson would be in that position, but Elliot brings stuff to the table that Henderson doesn't, for example. So that I think you can get away with that in sort of in the home games especially. Um but yeah, when when you need that protection and when you when you have got one, you know, a winger like Vinicius who needs to be watched at all times because as we saw in, in the first leg, he doesn't even need a bit of space and he'll he'll produce a bit of quality. I think Canate being back will be important in that because he does have the pace. And I think in Paris, Canate dealt with, with Vinicius really, really well um, and what Real did, did try and do. But yeah, I would imagine Henderson comes back in and then it's probably, a, you would you would assume Basicic if, if you want to play Henderson on the right, but because Elliot primarily plays on the right. But I think it, it, it's a bit of a toss-up. I mean, you, you could potentially throw Milner in there you know, as an option that he might consider um, again for that type of experience, maybe you know set a tone for sixty. Because I think that's that's the thing, isn't it? Liverpool don't need to be three 0 up in twenty minutes, the, as 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 they did against Barcelona. And, and James mentioned you'd be one 0 up in half time at half time, and that's a really good position to be in. It's just I think what it, what Liverpool have got to find that balance between you know making sure that they're, they're attacking, but also staying in the game because what you don't want to do is you don't want to don't want to go out hunting for that first goal you get caught on the counter and you one nil down from from Real Madrid's first breakaway for example or first counter attack and then and then you know that that does end the game really doesn't it but it, so, unless, so the, unless you, you score six in the second half well yeah exactly <laughs> you know it wouldn't it wouldn't end the tie completely but you, you, you know what I mean it, it would be a big blow yeah. early on um, you've got to try and keep in the game for, so he might consider um, you know, like a Milner in there, but I would imagine he'll probably want, want will pick one of Basisic or, or Elliot, and you would think Basisic maybe just for that bit of you know more defensive minded. But yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does, and and they'll have a lot of work to do in in making sure that that Real Madrid can't get on those counter attacks because they'll, they'll have to get a lot of work through. A lot James, of work. who would you play up front, or who do you think he's going to play up front? Well, who would you play, and who do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's tricky, isn't it? I think um, I, I'd be, I would be tempted to find room for Jota. I thought, um, I thought he was very good against Wolves, and then obviously only a little bit part role in the demolition of United. But I thought, I thought he did improve Liverpool when he he came on the other night. And I think, I think with with Jota, I think especially in a game like this, I think you get real graft and kind of tactical intelligence off the ball in terms of covering space and. So I'd, I'd be tempted to play, probably play him instead of Nunes, I think, on the left of the front three and, and then maybe unleash Nunes for the last half an hour. Because, you know, I think if Liverpool can be 1-0 up with an hour gone, I, I think that's a great position to be in. I'm, I'm sure Klopp would absolutely bite your hand off if you offered that to him now because, you know, I, I think you, know, you keep the game alive and then you try and impact it with your changes. So, yeah, I'd, I'd find room for... For Jota, um, I'd probably go with a midfield three of Fabino, Henderson, and Bassetic. Um and and yeah, it will help definitely. You know, having Canate back there, Joe Gomez obviously endured a, a really really tough night in the in the first leg three weeks ago. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I just you know, as as poor as Liverpool were for big chunks of the game at Bournemouth, I don't, I don't, I just don't really see see him changing too much because you know that was the most infuriating thing it wasn't it wasn't like you know he'd held anyone back it wasn't like you know it was you know a, a real gamble putting the team out that he did it was just so many players underperformed on the day and you, know, you just hope that he can he can trigger reaction from that well we know you're listening Jürgen and you've just had some good advice from James put that team out we'll be one nil up after an hour and then 
We're on the road to Istanbul. Surely. Well, maybe not. In towards Gerard. Oh. Hello. Hello. Here we go. This is Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. With Tony Evans, me, James Pierce, and Andy Jones. Well, before the visit to the Bernabeu, and hopefully with a historic comeback on the horizon, we'll look back through the history books and see which five-a-side team you'd send in to beat Real Madrid's five-a-side team. Hmm, don't know that's going to work, but you get the point. You get the point, don't you, people? It's um, What we want is five players from Liverpool's past who will bring the spirit of Saint-Étienne or the night against Barcelona or even Istanbul. So I'll start with you, Andy. Who who are you going to pick? Well, I was going to go, I mean, so I'm at a bit of a disadvantage because I've heard the stories about a lot of the the older triumphs and have obviously seen bits and pieces and highlights of, of famous goals and stuff like that. So I don't know whether I can really pick based on that. So I, mine's more of a, a modern tilt on it, but I would, so like Grobelar, for example, would make loads of sense, but I've gone with Dudek. But I've also thought Dudek for, for the five-a-side element because that Shevchenko save is the type of save that you need to make in a five-a-side game because shots come in from everywhere and they're from about two yards away. So I feel like... Yeah, I, I was on the, um, I was like level with that. And so on the side, and so it didn't give a sense of how good a save it was at the time. You just knew he should score, he doesn't score, and you're like, whoa, we got away with that. Every time I watch it back on television, my heart nearly fails. I can't <laughs> believe he, he made that save. So, yeah, continue. So I had it. So initially I wasn't sure if it was European, like Champions League, or so like, so I was thinking Dortmund under Klopp with Lovren's last minute or nearly last minute header. Um, so, But I don't know if he counts. So I was thinking, Gerard's got to be in there, obviously. Istanbul, Olympiakos, take your pick. He, he had to be there. And then David Fairclough, I feel like that, that St. Etienne super sub goal is just is so historic. Um, and I, even I've seen it so many times. Uh, it's um, one of that, the most remarkable nights in the club's history. Yeah. You, know, you can't really uh, overstate its importance and what it was like and the atmosphere and the madness of it all. Uh, it was... Uh, in many ways, the 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 hugest European breakthrough, even more than winning in Rome. In many ways, it was just yeah, yeah, unbelievable. And Fairclough is onside. This now could be interesting. Fairclough, super sub, strikes again. And then you'd have to put Divock in, who who makes it into every single one of these teams we ever make. I think, um, but yeah, he was there. You know, started and finished the the, the Barcelona uh, victory, so he's got to be in there. Um, so if I'm allowed, Lovren, Lovren would be in there for me for that for that oh, moment. You can have Lovren. I um, mean, so it, it does the 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 mental weakness levels of the team plummet <laughs> yeah, severely. You that, know, that's why presence, I'm. And okay. I always end up putting. I always end up ended up with Carragher in in my team just because five aside and he helped clatter everyone. So there's that element of it as well and. Yeah, obviously Istanbul and his many, many, you know, cramp um, induced pain faces that he, he produced on that night. Um, oh. So, so Carragher would be the alternative if we're going Champions League. No, we, we'll let you have Lovren. Let me have Lovren. Just don't tell Carragher because he'll come looking for you. <laughs> James. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I suppose I, I, I'll have to. I'll go. I'll go back a bit further, probably in in Liverpool's uh, Europe, European history. I'd have to go for Grubbler, I think, for the uh, for the for the old spaghetti legs. He, he's he's getting the got the, the the nodding goal for me, and then uh, centre half Phil Thompson, a great homegrown hero. I love. He's a fantastic storyteller, Phil Thompson, and um, yeah, when he when he when he tells you about uh, you know, I think the world media were waiting for the European Cup at Anfield, and he'd made a promise to take it down to the Falcon Pub in in Kirby, and, and it was people queuing around the corner to kids to have their pictures taken with it when he's getting fu- furious phone calls off the chief exec at Liverpool wanting to know where the European Cup is. and He, he left just... it there overnight, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, there's just the, the type of thing you just think, never going to happen these days, is it? You just can't really imagine, you know, Jordan Henderson, you know, with the <laughs> with the European Cup in, in his local boozer and people queuing around the block to have their picture taken with it when it's supposed to be at Anfield. So yeah, I'd and I'd probably have to find room for Alan Kennedy, especially I think I think just the sight of him would strike fear into into Real Madrid. You know, he's 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 another one with um with some great tales of heroic European feats. And then yeah, you'd you'd you've got to have Gerard Stephen Gerrard, obviously. I, I did the book about 1984. Um, I don't know where it is, but I love it. So I talked to all the players. And when Alan Kennedy took the last penalty, the winning penalty, I remember he scored a winning goal in European Cup final in uh, 1981 as well. But he yeah. said, like, as as the ball went over the bar for the the, the Roma penalty before, Grobler wheeled round and was running, celebrating. And as he run... He spotted Alan Kennedy walking to take the last penalty and went, oh, it's you. Ah, and stop <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> oh, dear. And then, yeah, I think the, my fifth one would have to be Sir Kenny, just with a, you know, I think when you think of iconic Liverpool European goals, it would have to be that that dinked finish at, at Wembley in 78, wouldn't it? I think um, that, that has to be right up there. I think soon if they met each other, mine and Andy's five asides. I think Andy's might have a bit more, bit more legs in them than mine these days. But um, maybe mine has got. I think mine probably wins it in terms of medals. Yeah, definitely. For me, if I was start picking any five aside team, the first person I pick was Graham Souness. I mean, what he did in Rome in '84 was absolutely unbelievable. It's the most hostile environment I've ever been in. I mean, really, really nasty place. And, you know, Roma was home, obviously, and we only had 8,000 fans there in the stadium. And you can't believe how aggressive everyone was. And soon as they all come out into the pitch and they, they walked around, they all come to the Liverpool ends and wanted to get off. And, like, soon as was like, no, no one's going anywhere. He led them up and he eyeballed the curve of Sud. And, he, and I'll tell <laughs> you what, I wouldn't have liked to eyeball them, even from the other end, 100 and, like, 20, 30 yards away, and he eyeballed him, and he was like, I'm not scared of you. Champagne Shirley had no fear at all. So he'd have to go in there. I think I'll have to agree with you, um, Andy, for, uh, for Dudek, because that, as I say, that save from Shevchenko increases my blood pressure every time I watch it. <laughs> and that just tells you how good it was. It was just unbelievable. There's another great opportunity, Shevchenko. Oh, that's a wonderful save. How did he do that? Jersey do that. 
that is out of this world. I think Kara for his cramped up performance in Istanbul, throwing himself at everything. Um, I, you know, I just, I think that that's wonderful. I love David Fairclough. You know, he was, as I say, Saint-Étienne was, was brilliant. It's a not very balanced team. I'm talking about it's an emotional team. It's an emotional team. And of course, Stephen, the captain for Istanbul. And you know what the thing is when he nodded that ball in and you watch it, it's, on the night, I didn't realise how remarkable a header it was. He started, like, rousing the crowd. And I was so fuming as being 3-0 down. I was like, don't need any support lessons in support from you, mate. Just get on with it and win. <laughs> and guess what? He did. And that is one of the most unbelievable experiences of my life. And, you know, hopefully, and I keep saying... And I get stick for this because I said this is a brilliant time to be a Liverpool fan. This is you're seeing things that all through the generations, people like me thought you'd never see. And when a result like Bournemouth comes along, you're well, that's a load of old rubbish. But actually, it isn't because there are miracles in this club side. And even if we don't get one in the Bernabeu, we'll get plenty going forward. And that's it from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by the Athletic. Thanks to James and Andy and you as well for joining us. Remember to get involved in the Walk On Podcast group on Facebook. Just search Walk On Podcasts and go from there. Well, on to Madrid. Come on, you Reds. The Athletic. <laughs>